In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. The parable that we've just heard, I want to focus on one line that kind of unlocks the meaning of everything that surrounds this parable. Because we can come to this parable, and when we read it, just as we have just heard it, it's easy to see only basically uh, one of two lessons. But there is a meaning here of how this parable is couched in the interaction of where Christ is at that I want to unlock. And that verse that I want to bring out is, Come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. So the parable, where is it that Christ is sitting when he gives this parable and to whom is he speaking? This parable is about, we will see, being prepared to receive God. It's about the character of God and who will receive the invitation with joy to come to his heavenly banquet, to come to his kingdom. The parable occurs as he's sitting at the table of a Pharisee. Having just healed somebody on the Sabbath, not the same healing that we heard last week, but one very much like it, another healing upon the Sabbath. And he's told his host that he should have invited those who are poor, those who are maimed, those who are lame, and the blind. And if he had done that, then he would receive the reward of the just in the resurrection. And the Pharisee, or at least one of the Pharisees who, he's sitting at the ta- who he is sitting at the table with, responds, Blessed is he who shall eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Meaning that our Lord is responding to this very line of the Pharisee. Blessed is he who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So he's offering a sort of correction to this Pharisee. And we get to hear, sort of in a good way, eavesdrop onto this conversation, this blessed correction of our Lord. Because the Pharisee, when he says this, is saying, oh, then all of those who eat there in that bread in the kingdom of heaven, they will receive a blessing. The correction is not one of your wrong, but of let's understand this in a deeper way. That's the context of this parable. And it has a lot to do with demonstrating the character of the master, demonstrating the character of God, of what the master does when the invitation to his heavenly banquet is rejected. Christ is teaching, essentially, who will actually get to eat the bread with him in the kingdom of heaven. Those who will eat the bread with him are those who actually accept the invitation when it is given, without delay, without excuse. God is inviting all to his table because he wants his table filled. So Christ is exhorting us to be a people of faith who don't give excuses when it comes time to demonstrate that faith, when it comes time to live out that faith. This is a reading that is a happy 
uh, meeting between the forefathers, the celebration today, because what we are commemorating today in the forefathers is the faith that they had. Not just that they were of the flesh, but that they had a faith when they lived under the law of expectant waiting, of expectant prophecy to be fulfilled with the Messiah's arrival. It's for this reason that we have such a great joy to hear these words. Because we are expectantly waiting the coming of the Lord in the flesh. So what are we to be like these forefathers? This parable teaches us something. A faith that gives excuses for not practicing, for not receiving the invitation of our Lord is not a saving faith. A faith that does not match, we could say, God's character is not really a faith that's worth having. And that is the heart of this parable. Because what the master does is that he goes and calls those who are completely incapable or have no knowledge of him or giving anything back in addition to him. The lame, the maimed, the blind. That's who comes and sits at his table. It says, yes, Lord, I want to sit at your banquet table. And even then, those who are incapable of giving anything back to God, that's still not a full table. And so the Lord sends his servants back out to call more. This is the character of our God. He desires that all will be able to come to the table, but he also knows that some will not receive that invitation with joy and say yes. And so he calls even more. The parable really is like a summary of the preparation of the people of God for them to be ready to receive him. It is about how those people should have been prepared. We could say even see ourselves in this, how we should be prepared to receive him and not make excuses from our own pride to outright reject the invitation. But we should be thankful when we receive it and say yes and immediately go to that banquet. This is a parable about those who go to his banquet are not those who are the exalted ones, but they are the lowly, if we will. It's of our Lord going and bringing and raising up the low to the high, to himself. It's really those who say their yes that are able to reach to the heights of God and to commune with him. So what matters really is that yes, that yes to the invitation and not offering some reason for our no to that. That's how we become prepared to receive our Lord. That's how you could say we prepare for the nativity of Christ. We say yes and we come to that invitation every time it is given. Though here he's addressing a single Pharisee, really we are often like those who give the excuses that our Lord lists. History we could think of, spiritually speaking, is the record of so many of our excuses to God to not come to his banquet, to not do what he says, to go and find and choose our own way. I have this or that to do. And nearly universally, all of the fathers understand this parable to kind of be a summation of 
this of the record of what the people of God did through salvation history. They made excuses and followed their own way. But could we not also examine our lives and say that I too make excuses to not follow God? Have I not also made excuses for not dining at the communion table when we are, that we are invited to almost every single Sunday? We all make these excuses. And Christ names three kinds of excuses that are the most common, probably, and are the ones that pull us the most away from him. He names surveying, purchasing of some new land, of surveying and seeing how good these newly purchased oxen are, and of spending time with a new bride. We could say that these are the wealth, the counting up of your wealth and seeking more, and of the pursuit of familial and bodily pleasures. These are the excuses that we most common make. We say it's not convenient to lose some sort of business opportunity to set aside time to worship at the church. I will lose the possibility, perhaps, of a scholarship if I don't join this travel team that plays on Sundays. I study this, or I must study that, because I don't have time for prayer. I'm young, and the world and these clubs and these parties and these things have much to offer me from what I desire. How often do we tell ourselves these kinds of things? How often do we at least act in this way if we're not actually saying them verbally? When we choose to pursue wealth or bodily pleasure and comfort or, and we labor to satiate all of these bodily senses, we are yoking ourselves to something that will fade away at death. That is the character of God that he is trying to save us from. What we love is what we become. And if we love God, let us make dining with him our constant yes, our top priority above all others. And then we will have something that lasts forever. If you love what is not lasting, then one day you will be very, very disappointed in what you ended up loving, for it will turn to dust. Our excuses not only become our what we love and what we become, but they become like an idol in our life. And we know that all the idols will be put to dust and will be flattened in the day to come. All the idols will be thrown to the ground and they will be lost. So what our Lord is telling us is that don't make these kinds of excuses because every time you make these kind of excuses, they become something that will, you will one day lose. The gospel ends with this phrase. For those of you who are astute Bible readers, you will know that this phrase that ends this reading is not actually found in the Gospel of Luke. It's found in the other banquet account in the Gospel of Matthew. Many are called, but few are chosen. The church has this reading today because it highlights that preparation that we've been talking about. All are prepared by God, and all are invited in one way or the other yet only some 
will accept the invitation to dine with him. The invitation is there, my brothers and sisters, and truly and fully open for us to come to it. But he knows that some might not accept this. Some might reject the invitation with an excuse. Do we not, in our limited and often mistaken way, do the same as what is named in this parable? We receive an invitation or we give invitations to those who we know won't come to the family feast, who won't come to the wedding, yet we extend the invitation anyway. This is the character of our God. He gives out the invitation and sees what we will do with it. The Lord receives the excuse, but then he doesn't leave it there. He calls more. He pursues mankind and wants his table full. He calls those who have nothing to offer him, for he desires not what we can give him, but what he can give us. He desires to give and desires only that we show up. That's the character of our Lord. And he's pointing to us that this is what we can choose. We are all invited to the kingdom of God to dine at his banquet table, to come receive and commune with him. Our Lord desires to give us that salvation. And he will give it to whomever will come to his table. That is the character of our God. Our Lord, in his great condescension, his great coming down to teach us and to live his life with us, that we are, as we approach the nativity, is the beginning of that revelation. We receive that invitation now and prepare ourselves for that great banquet. Let's not make an excuse. Let's not set up some idol that it takes the place of the master. So, dear brothers and sisters, say with simplicity of heart, Yes, Lord, I seek to come to the banquet you have prepared. I am ready to commune with you. I love to sit at your table wherever you will have me. This is the most natural movement for us. When we love, we say yes to those we want to dine with. We want to celebrate with them. We are honored and filled with joy when we do so. So as we expectantly await and look toward the coming in the flesh of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ and his birth, let us receive the invitation to behold the mystery that took place in the cave in Bethlehem. Let us dine with him at the table feast of the Lord and make no excuses. Let us rejoice in the invitation of the coming one. Let us glorify and celebrate with the man who is our Savior and our God. Do this, and not only will you be one who is called, but one who is chosen of God. Then we will be like the forefathers who we commemorate and the ancestors of Christ who lived under the law. They who had a right faith, a faith of expectant waiting and joy. Those who we remember, this was their faith. Then we will taste of the great banquet and of the everlasting life of those who love God and receive his invitation and say, Yes, Lord, I will come and dine with you. Amen.